Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Deuteronomy. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All glory and honor goes to our risen Savior. We're grateful for what Jesus did for us at the cross, giving us an opportunity to open our eyes spiritually and see things the way God would have us see them. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. I'd like to thank the Smithfield Avenue Congregational Church for letting us do our study here in one body. Many parts. Many parts. We're grateful for all the core of this ministry that keeps it functioning. Throw a shout out to our Facebook Live people out there that are watching. We're grateful for everyone that comes and supports this ministry. If you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? And we will start off with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us this opportunity to come before you tonight, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and to learn more and more about you, Lord, and what you'd have us do in this world, Lord, in this life, Lord. Thank you for transforming us, Lord, and helping us to change, Lord, into your image by renewing our mind through your word, Lord, so we can start to do things your way, not our way, Lord. Thank you so much for saving us, Lord, and giving us an opportunity and a purpose here on planet Earth, Lord, to bring others into the kingdom. Thank you for our health and our families, Lord. Help us to always be living examples of you working in our lives, Lord. Help us to represent you properly, Lord, by humbling ourselves, Lord, and letting you run our lives, Lord. Thank you for the people in the ministry and all around the ministries of the world, Lord. Help us to stay focused on your will, Lord, not ours, Lord, as we always try to move forward and put you first in our lives, Lord as we all fight with our flesh, Lord. Thank you for saving us, Lord, and giving us the opportunity to come before you. And let everything we do tonight be led by your Spirit, as always, Lord, and on my flesh. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to get started with tonight's study. We're going to stand.
That kid's getting it. He's getting it. Right? He's getting it faster than we get it. Thank you, Jesus, right? That is so awesome. <laughs> God is good. All the time. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's good to see everybody, as always. All you soldiers that have been here three days in a row, right? Triple threat, right? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, right? I need it. I need all I can get here in this world, right? All right. We are going to continue on our study of Deuteronomy. The Holy Spirit is going to be taking over, so you ask to be attentive to that and try not to cause any distractions that might take us out of that spirit tonight. We've got a great scripture on the board that Mary put up in Hebrews chapter 3. Let's start there. I have to go a little further back than that, as always. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. We're going back to verse 3. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Amen, Amen to that. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. Or some manuscripts read, add faithful to the end. That is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there, verse 9, your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, I said. Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. And he's quoting Psalms 95, verse 7 to 11. And it says in verse 12, now he's exhorting us. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be, de be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Can I get an amen for that? What does it mean deceived by sin and hardened against God? You see, when, when our sin starts to take over us, it hardens our heart against God. It closes our mind against God. So we have to understand that sin and God are opposite of each other. So when you, when you live in a sinful state, it hardens your belief, you get doubtful, you start getting rebellious against God. Can I get an amen for that? So he tells us you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin. Now he's talking to believers here. We can all still get deceived by sin. You see, God calls us to come up out of sin because he knows what damage it causes the believer and how they, it, it lose, they lose their faith because of it. Amen? And we, Laurie did an awesome study on faith, right? And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For that, anybody who comes to God has to believe that He exists, and He rewards those that sincerely or diligently seek Him. Amen? Now, I got a scripture for us. It goes directly, ties this right into this. Boy, I'll tell you, it's always, it's always um, Spirit-led. It is a Spirit-led ministry, and it's always confirmation when the Spirit speaks. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. It just ties, it, it just goes hand in glove with that. I can't believe it when I just read this. 
everybody with me so far? Yeah. So it's going to be an awesome study tonight as we go into Deuteronomy chapter 9. Um, look at Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Or do not let sin reign in your body, which is subject to death. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Now, this is called removal and replacement. It says, instead of letting sin control you, instead, give yourself completely to God. Okay? For you were dead, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. He said you were dead in your sins, and as you believe in Jesus, you have a new life in Christ. You're now born again, the Bible tells us. You now have a new life. Now it says, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's unbelievable, isn't it? The freedom of God's grace tells us clearly here that instead of living, if we live under the freedom of God's grace, is the power to overcome our sin nature. Can I get any amen for that? God's grace is so powerful that it gives us the opportunity to not let sin control us anymore. That's awesome. That's a power that we can only get from a, a born-again believer's heart. Amen? Now look what it says. Now look, here's another, here's a rhetorical question in verse, in verse 15. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Verse 16, don't you realize that you become a slave to, of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God. See, it's a choice. Which leads to righteous living. Obeying what God tells us leads us to what? Righteous living. That's what the righteousness of Christ is. It leads us to living right. Amen? He puts his righteousness in us so we can be a slave to right living. Look what it says. Thank God. Look at verse 17. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves of righteous living. Imagine, we used to be enslaved by our sin nature, now we're enslaved by Christ to do the right thing. And that's the sanctification process that God's working on us right now, right? We're not all there yet, are we? We still, you know, you don't know how powerful sin is till you say no to it, and you don't want to do it anymore. You see how, how the pull is to do right and to do wrong once you're born again. Can I get an amen for that? All of us face that struggle. Paul said it in Romans 7, struggling with sin. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Because sin is controlling us. Amen? That's an awesome scripture, isn't it? All right, let us go to um, De Deuteronomy chapter 9. We're going to start in there tonight. This, this, I, I remember um, the Pharisees were saying, we've never been a slave to anything. Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. See? Don't we wish that God would just take our sin nature away from us and we would just... Don't have to fight this anymore. Well, that day is going to come, thank God, when we go home to be with Him. But right now, it's a battle. He's preparing us for what He has prepared for us. He's trying to give us a little taste of that now. And, you know, Deuteronomy, it, it, it ties right into victory by God's grace. So it says it right here again. God's grace gives us the victory over sin. The closer I get to this spiritual walk, the more my flesh fights against this. Right? The closer we try to get to God, the more it tries to go the opposite way, and the devil just tries to take us out of this. 
It's a struggle. So actually, but you have to understand that this struggle is because we're trying to do the right thing in a world going wrong. And the devil is not happy with people that are trying to live a right life down here. Amen? So we're going to have to understand that's part of the trip that we're going to have this struggle. All of us do. I struggle with it. I know, I know everybody else struggles with this. There's always that angel and devil mentality on our shoulders, right? You know, like, I don't know if anybody remembers the Flintstones, but they used to have the little devil and the angel, and the, the devil used to pitchfork the angel off his shoulder and used to do the wrong thing, right? But a, a born-again believer has a victory, can knock the devil off instead. Yeah. See, that's the power of God unto righteousness. See, I no longer have to listen to that voice anymore. I can actually listen to the right voice and obey it. Amen? All right, let's go to um, Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 9. Let's start in verse 1. Thank God for His grace and mercy, right? To give us an opportunity every day to forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. Amen? To forgive us and keep going. Thank you, Jesus. All right, look what it says in verse 1. Listen, O Israel. Today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who could stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out, just as the Lord has promised. After the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we are such good people. I love this. Very humbling. No. It is because the wickedness of the other nations that he is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God made a promise and he couldn't take it back. Even though they weren't perfect, he still had to fulfill that promise. He said, don't think I'm sending you there because there's anything good in you. That's what he's saying. Just like us, don't think I'm saving you because there's anything good in you. Look what it says. You must, <laughs> you must look at verse 6. You must recognize that the Lord your God has not given you this good land because you are good. For you are not. You are a stubborn people. Tell me, how many Christians are stubborn? Right? God forgives us. He puts his grace inside of us. He gives us the opportunity to come to him. Why? Because we're so good? No. The Bible says, Paul said in Romans 7, I know nothing good lives in me in my sin nature. For I have the desire to do good, but I can't carry it out. Amen? So, if we, when we come to the point that we can admit that there's nothing good in us in our flesh then the Lord can take over and we can defeat the giants in our lives that hold us captive in us in nature. Amen? There's nothing good in us. Now, I just want to elaborate on what we were just talking about before we move on, okay? There's some really good principles here, and I don't want to miss these. All right, so the Anakites, which he was talking about, were enormous people, okay? Some seven to nine feet tall. Okay, Goliath, probably a descendant of this race, was over nine feet tall, like it said in 1 Samuel 17, 4 to 7. Unfortunately, these great men used their stature as a means of intimidation rather than for noble causes. Their appearance alone frightened the Israelite scouts. Remember, they went out and checked out the land said, there's giants in there. There's no way we could overcome that. Remember? Yeah. In Numbers 13, verse 28, and their bad reputation may have been the deciding factor 
that kept the Israelites out of the land 40 years earlier in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Remember, we read all this, remember? Moses used all his persuasive power to convince his people that God could handle these bullies. Okay? He used the illustration of God as a devouring fire. Okay? For not even a giant could stand up to that. God promised to go before the Israelites as a devouring fire to help them conquer their enemies. Okay? Fire was a symbol of holiness and purification in the Old Testament, illustrating God's desire to purify the land of its wicked people in order to make Israel a holy nation. Can I get an amen for that? If the Israelites were so stubborn, why did God make such wonderful promises to them? Well, there are two good reasons. The first reason a bargain is a bargain, okay? God and Israel had made a treaty in Genesis 15 and 17 and Exodus 19 and 20. God promised to be faithful to them and they promised to obey him. The agreement was irrevo irrevocable and eternal. Even though the Israelites rarely upheld their end of the bargain, God would always be faithful to do his part. Remember in the Bible? If, if, we, if we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he can't deny who he is. Amen? Thank God for that. Can I get a big amen for that? How many of us can honestly say every day that I'm faithful to God? Nobody? No kidding. But God is faithful to us. When he has a promise. Now what was he talking about? He said he was going to drive out them, those giants, right? He goes ahead of us. He goes ahead of us in our walk of life too. We have to understand all the giants that we face in front of us. God is already going out ahead of them and defeating them for us. We have to put our faith and trust in him that he has. Amen? What, and what are the other, some of the giants in our lives? Fear. Pride. Arrogance. Greed. Self-centeredness. Right? We go out and we do our will instead of God's. God said, no, I'm going out ahead of you. Don't worry. Just follow me and obey me and I'm going to take care of you. Can I get an amen for that? And how many times do we take our will back and do things our way? And expect God to take care of it for us, right? Even though we're doing things our way, we still want God to do things his way. It doesn't work that way. Obedience is the main factor in God fulfilling his promises to us, Amen. He wants to do what is right. He wants to bless us, but we always have our own way to go. We always we forget that God goes ahead of us every day. How many of us get in situations that make us angry or bitter or resentful and we get aggravated out there in the world when God's the one who put all that in front of us? He put them out there and said, I want you to defeat them giants by being calm and keep your mouth shut and come to me and recognize me in everything. That's the problem. We don't, do we? We have a work in progress. Can I get an amen for that? I can only wish when I went out every day that I recognized God and everything that I could keep my mouth shut. Right? And I could keep my mind clear of all the temptations and all the arrogance and evil that's inside of me. Amen? He promised to take deal with that for me. Alright, so a bargain. the second one, God's mercy is unconditional. God's grace, right, is giving us something we don't deserve, right? And God's mercy is not God not giving us something that we do. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God's mercy is unconditional. It's harder to show mercy to somebody than it is grace. When somebody outright hurts you and does something ill will against you, then you have every right to be mad or angry at them. To give them mercy in a pass is not an easy thing to do. We can only do that through Christ. Amen? We can't do that. Although we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? We have to understand these principles when it happens. How many of us get attacked undeservingly? We do a lot, right? As a Christian down here, doing the right thing in the world goes wrong, we're not always going to get glorified down here. As a matter of fact, we're going to get persecuted, the Bible says. All right, so God's mercy is unconditional. No matter how many times the people turned from God, remember, he was always there to restore them. 
It is comforting to know that despite our inconsistencies and sins, God loves us unconditionally. It's hard to grasp that, isn't it? We always think that it's our performance. God's not happy with me today. I, didn't, I wasn't a good. I wasn't a good. I wasn't a good Christian today. God mustn't be happy with me because the world bases everything on performance, right? It doesn't. God doesn't base His love for us on performance. If He did, we'd all be going to hell. He bases it on our faith. Amen. We have faith in Him that He's going to someday take that away from us. Please, Lord. Every day I tell him, God, please take my will in my life. Take the bitterness out of my heart and fill it with your love, Lord. Because it doesn't take long being out in the world to start getting bitter. But the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to get better, not bitter, from the situations. Amen? Okay. Eternal life is achieved not only is not is not is achieved not only the merit system, but on the mercy system. God loves us no matter who we are or what we have done. Amen. And he still loves the people out there. Here's the thing. You know the people that hurt us out there? He still loves them too. And there's one thing that we're to show unconditional love for the people that hurt us. And that's something that only, only through Christ can we do that. Amen. Only through the power of God. My flesh can't do that. I was bred the wrong. I was bred a different way. It was an eye for an eye with me. Somebody does something to me, it's on. And you know what? I might say that I forgive you, but I'm not forgetting. And someday, they're going to get yours. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. That's called what? Malice. And God says to his people, don't you dare do that because I'm going to turn it back on you. I'm like, oh. And one thing about the Old Testament that Christians fail to understand is God is a just God. And he chastises his children because he loves them. Don't you think for one minute that you get away with sin because it's not judged instantly. He judged his nation over hundreds of years of disobedience. Amen. It wasn't overnight that he judged their sin. He gave them plenty of room to turn from it. And he gives us plenty of room to turn from it too. But when we refuse to and use his grace to continue in it, there will come a day when that sin will be, there will be a consequence for that behavior. Amen? There's always reaping and sowing never goes away. Amen? God, the, the Old Testament gives me a healthy fear of God. He loved his people in Israel. You know what he did to them, though, when they were off, right? He sent them into exile for 70 years. He put them out in the desert for 40 years. And they couldn't get in the promised land because of their disobedience. We're not going to get in there either because of our disobedience. Because the promised land is a state of mind as a Christian. And it's only be trusting and obeying that we can get there. Amen? Not just coming to church and doing religious acts. We have to actually apply this to our lives and build our lives around the rock, which is Christ. The solid rock I stand, all other ways are sink and sand. Not only are we hearers of the word, but we have to what? Be doers of the word. Saying, okay, I don't want to do it this way, but I'm a slave to doing things God's way now, not the devil's. That's what we were just quoting in Romans 6. Instead, give yourself completely to God. Let him possess you instead of the devil. Remember, he says, well, I'm not possessed by the devil. Oh, yeah, you are. You know when you get angry and you start saying things? You tell me everything godly comes out of your mouth and, and how it has to run its course and how trouble comes. That is called possession. You are possessed by something, and it's not godly. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Don't think for one minute anger is not a sin. It is a big sin in God's eyes. Righteous anger is one thing. But anger because we're not getting our way or because we're mad at somebody is not God's way. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So it says get rid of the filth and evil of your lives in James, right? So how many can sit here and say, oh, I never get angry and I never say things like that. No, we're possessed. Can I get an amen for that? The world doesn't even know they're under control of the evil one. Neither to believers because they're so uneducated. They don't understand just because you're a Christian that you can't be controlled by Satan. We can very easily be controlled by him if we choose to live in our sin nature. 
It's a choice. Every day, every believer has a free will choice to say no to them and yes to God. Can I get an amen for that? No more excuses, the Bible says. We're saying, well, you know, I'm just weak. I'm just dust. Oh, but God knows that. Yeah, no kidding. That's why he gave you a savior. So you can be strong and resist and have a victory. That's why he saved you. So you can be victorious down here and bring others into the kingdom. Not by what you say, but how you live. People see an attraction to that, saying, wow, you handled that well. You kept your mouth shut when you were going to say what you should have said something. Wow. There's something to that. They see something different. That's the only way they're going to come. They're not going to come by you choking them with scripture when you don't follow it yourselves. Can I get an amen for that? Blind guides, he told the Pharisees. Blind. The blind leading the blind. You say these things, but your heart is full of wickedness and, and self-indulgence. Amen? Yeah. But I go to church every day, and I put money in the basket, and I do my part in church. That means nothing to God if it doesn't have obedience behind it. Amen? When you're not in church. That's called religion. Jesus condemned religion. Amen? Yeah. So don't think just because you come to church that covers that. It doesn't. Thank you, Jesus, right? Let's keep going here. All right. Let's go to um, chapter um, verse 7. Remembering the gold calf. Everybody with me so far? Yeah. You know, I, I, came to, I came there three times in a row, and it just seems like today the devil was all over me. It's like he didn't want to leave me alone. It's like I couldn't get any reprieve from the devil. I, had, I was quoting scripture to myself all day. Because I felt weak and defeated. But God didn't give me that spirit of weakness and timidity. But of power, love, and a sound mind. I had to quote scripture to get myself back into this again. Amen? Because that's the only thing that works. There's no world system that will fix what's going on in this crooked mind of mine. It's only the words of God that change that. Amen? And that has to be circulating here when them the evil times or the, when them temptations come. Amen? Because I felt like an explosive today. I was ready to explode on everybody. But I said, nope. He was in me. He's greater than he was in the world. I am going to keep my mouth shut today. And I'm not going to draw myself into any conflict or get into... I'm just going to keep my mind focused on my job. Do it. Honor the Lord with my mouth shut today. Because I knew how weak I was. And I knew I wasn't up for any kind of debate with anybody. So I know myself enough to stay away from it. It says run. Amen? The whole key to this Christian life is knowing yourself and knowing where your weaknesses are and where you fall short and when to say, this is going to go in God's hands, so I can't talk today. i got to keep my mouth shut. If nothing good's going to come out of it, it's not coming from God. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. This actually works. This works when you put it into practice. This really works, but you have to use it. It's like going to school, learning something, and never, never using it. It's the same principle. All right, look at verse 7. Remember, that remembering the gold calf. Remember when Moses went up to the mountain for three days? Oh, something must have happened. He must have got killed or something. And they, what did they do? They made their own God out of a gold calf. What did they do? They adopted the ways of Egypt. That's what they did. Wherever their environment was, that's what they used to do. Worship idols. Remember, and never forget how angry you made the Lord your God in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until now, you have been constantly rebelling against Him. How many, how many of us, since we left the world, since we saved us from this, have we rebelled against God? Doing things our way. How many times? And look what it says here. Even at Mount Sinai, or Horeb, another name for Sinai, you made the Lord so angry, he was ready to destroy you. This happened when I was on the mountain receiving the tablets of stone inscribed with the words of the covenant that the Lord had made with you. I was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time I ate no food and drank no water. Now, 
That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Remember? What did Jesus? It was 40 days and 40 nights, right? See, Moses and Jesus is a type of Christ, right? That's what it is. The Lord gave me two tablets with God written with his own finger. All the words he had spoken to you from the heart of the fire when you were assembled at the mountain. Verse 11. At the end of the 40 days and nights, the Lord handed me the two stone tablets inscribed with the words of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, get up, go down immediately, for the people you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. You see it? How quickly they have turned away from what I commanded them, the way I commanded them to live. How quickly do we turn away when he commands us how to live? How many times do you hear that you have to live right in church? And how many times do you go out there and not do it? How many times you hear it? How many times you hear it? Over and over again. And how many times do you not do it? It's the same principle. Can I get an amen for that? You better thank God for Jesus because back then there was none of that. We got grace and mercy every day because of Jesus. He's our advocate. Amen. Back in the Old Testament, they didn't get another chance. We abuse it. That's what it is. We abuse God's grace. And it's sad. Imagine abusing something God died to give us and just abusing it, using it as an excuse. Look at, look at it says. How quickly they turned away from the command to, li to them to live. Then they have melted gold and made an idol for themselves. The Lord also said to me, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I may destroy them and erase their name from under heaven. Then I will make a mighty nation out of your descendants, a nation larger and more powerful than they are. So while the mountain was blazing with fire, I turned and came down, holding in my hand the tombstone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. There below me I could see that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had melted gold and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly you had turned away from the path the Lord had commanded you to follow. Why do we turn from the path that he commands us to follow? When things don't go our way, or when we don't think that God's doing it the way he should, what do we do? We go back and do it our way again. Right? How many times? Oh, I'm waiting on God. Oh, I've been waiting, I've been waiting a long time for this. Nothing's happening. i got to take over. How many times? And what does that do? That only sets us back. God says, God, he never stops us from doing it, by the way. You notice, right? You can do whatever you want. He says, but that's going to destroy you. You just don't understand. I see the beginning from the end. You don't. You don't see what that's going to do to you in the long run. I do. That's why I can't stand it. You see, you don't understand. Sin destroys us over time, not overnight. People don't get the concept. Living a certain lifestyle corrupts us over time, not overnight. So you can get away with it for a season. But eventually it's going to catch up with you, especially as a Christian who God holds accountable that know what he wants us to do and we openly and rebellious go our own way. Believe me, the unbelieving world gets a better break than we do because we know better. Can I get an amen for that? His people knew better and they got more judged than the nations that didn't know better. Why? Because they knew. They did, the other nations didn't know. The unbelieving world doesn't know what we know. They know, we know how God wants us to live, how to act and obey him. The unbelieving world doesn't. So don't you think for one minute that God's going to go easy on us. He's not. You always reap what you sow. Do I say this? No, we're supposed to have a healthy fear of God. This one thing that's been watered down in churches. You, know, you shouldn't fit. No, you should have a healthy fear of a good father corrects his children when there's something going wrong. If you were going over a cliff, don't you want, if your kid was going over the cliff, wouldn't you grab him and pull him back? Before he we went over, would you just let him go? Well, God knows that we're going over the cliff and he causes pain in our life to get us back in line again. And we go like this. It's not my fault. It's their fault. It's them. It's this. It has nothing to do with me. No, God's trying to correct you. We bounce it off ourselves and blame other people. Oh, I wish they were here to hear this message. 
No, God got you here for you to hear it. One thing God gave me. Listen, I'm not here to please you. Just understand that. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to teach you. God tells me to tell you what to do. It really doesn't matter. I'm accountable to God. If people don't want the truth, then they're not going to come. If you want the truth to set you free, then you're going to listen and get and not get enslaved by it. Amen? Amen? How do I know? Because God tells me, John, you go tell him. Because if you don't, you're accountable. I get a, I'll have to pay the price for not telling you or warning you. Remember he told Ezekiel? He told all the prophets. None of them are going to listen to you. But you go tell them anyway. And if you don't, I'm holding you accountable for not telling them. I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. I got to answer to the guy who created me, not to you. Amen? So he says, teach them my ways. Then if they, if they don't want to do it, they can't say, I didn't know. You can't say, I didn't know. You can't claim ignorance anymore. And God's going to, well, all of us have to answer to that one day, whether here or when we go to see him. Okay. Everybody still with me now? Yes. Okay. I, I ended it, um, do you remember where I stopped? Where did I stop? In verse 20? 16? Okay. There below me, I could see that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had melted gold and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly you turned away from the path the Lord had commanded you to follow. So I took the stone tablets and threw them to the ground, smashing them before your eyes. 18. Then as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of the great sin you had committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking him to anger. I feared that the furious anger of the Lord, which turned him against you, would drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron and the Lord spared him. That's how powerful the prayer of a righteous person is. You can save a nation if you're living God's way and you're praying for that nation. What about, um, what's his name? Um, Elijah. He prayed that it wouldn't rain. He was as normal as anybody else. But he was living in God's plan and it didn't rain for three years. And then when he prayed again, it did. That's how much living right and the power of prayer can produce in a believer. People don't understand that. Can save a whole nation. One man saved them from destruction. Moses, by being obedient to God. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. So when I get on my knees and I fall prostrate and I pray for our great nation, I make sure that it's not me that's hindering that prayer. And you should do the same thing. When you pray for somebody that you love and care for, make sure that it's not you stopping God from hearing it. If you really care about the person you're praying for, make sure you're living right so we can hear it. Amen? Because you will be the deterrent if prayers aren't getting answered if you're living a sinful life. Can I get an amen for that? The Bible says clearly in James, the prayer of a righteous person has much power. So just think about that. When you're praying for people, saying, listen, Lord, cleanse me. I want my prayer to get answered. I don't want me to be the one stopping it. That's the evaluation you have to do on yourself. If your prayers ain't getting answered, make sure it's not you stopping it. Can I get a big amen for that? God was going to destroy them people, all of them, for them doing that. Moses prayed that they wouldn't do it. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights because he loved the people. Do you love people enough to deny yourself and pray to God so he doesn't pass judgment? Do you? That's how you know how much you care about somebody. You will deny yourself for the benefit of others. Can I get an amen for that? That's Christian. That's maturity. That's love. Denying self for the benefit of others. 
Okay, let's keep going here. But again, he listened to me. Verse 20. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron, and the Lord spared him. Listen to this. I took your sin, the calf you had made, and melted it down in the fire and ground it into fine dust. That's what he did. Then I threw the dust into the stream that flows down the mountain. You also made the long angry at Tabera. Tabera means place of burning. Okay? That's Numbers 11, 1 to 3. <clears throat> Massa means place of testing. All right? See Exodus 17, 1 to 7. And Kibrat Hatava, which means graves of gluttony. Numbers 11, 31 to 34. And at Kadesh Barnea, the Lord sent you out with this command. Go up and take over the land I have given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to put your trust in him or obey him. Remember? He told him, go take it. He's telling you, go take them giants that are stopping you from following me. Stop it. Stop letting them sins control you. Go take them. Get rid of them. Get them out of your life. So you can come and follow me and worship me. What do people do? Oh, I'm just weak. And continue in it and continue in it and continue in it. Can I get an amen for this? People don't understand the principles of the Bible. He tells you to stop for a reason. Because if you keep doing it, there's going to be no way to get, stop it. You're going to die into sin. You're going to keep doing it for the rest of your life. There's going to be a cutoff. Nobody takes the heeds of that. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to put your trust. Look at verse 24. Yes, you have been rebelling against the Lord as long as I have known you. That's why I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. For the Lord said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, sovereign Lord, do not destroy them. They are your own people. They are your special possession. Whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and strong hand. He reminded God. See what he did? Please overlook the stubbornness and awful sin of these people and remember instead your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, don't remember the bad in them. Please, Lord, remember the good. That's what Jesus does for us, you know. He says, Lord, don't remember their sin, please. Remember the good in them. That's Jesus. That's what he does for us, amen? Remember the good. Other than that, he can snuff us out in a minute. Thank God for Jesus, amen? Moses was a type of Christ back then. He was the intercessory spirit for God. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. We do. We're more accountable. We have more than they had. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us through our conscience telling us what's right and wrong. They didn't have that. They had to obey what Moses said outwardly. We have it outwardly and inwardly. Right? We got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all didn't have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the Son. They had an act, they only had Moses. He was their representative, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Amen? They only had one. We got all three, and we still make excuses. He's trying to say. Lewis says in verse 28, If you destroy these people, the Egyptians will say, the Israelites died because the Lord wasn't able to bring them to the land he promised to give them. Or they might say he destroyed them because he hated them. He deliberately took them into the wilderness to slaughter them. But they are your people and your special possession whom you brought out of Egypt by your great strength and powerful arm. He says, we don't, you know, that's why he's, that's why he's good to us Christians. He says, they're your people. If you destroy them, everybody in the unbelieving world is going to say, I thought they were your people. Look what you did to them. You destroyed them. You would give, like, God, like give God a bad name. That's what he was trying to say. You're going to get a bad name for doing that, destroying them people. That's what he says to us. Jesus said, please, don't do it, Lord. They're going to give you a bad name. Can I get any amen for that? Thank you, Jesus. He's an advocate. They had Moses. We got Jesus. We got somebody far greater than Moses. You just, it's on the board. I just preached it. Jesus is greater than Moses. We have a better advocate now. Thank God we do. Because we're way worse than they are. We're way worse than Israel was. Talk about idolatry. 
All right, let's re expand on this before we close. Next week, we're going to 10. we got five minutes. You think I can keep you here for that much longer? Amen. I got you for five more minutes or what? Yeah. All right. I got some Band-Aids over here if you need a couple. Don't worry about it. God still loves you. This isn't no condemnation. This is love. Love is not some warm, fuzzy feeling. Love is confrontational. Because you love people, you tell them the truth. Amen? My whole motive behind this pulpit is because I love you. Well, let me tell you something. I go home and I pray for everybody. Everybody. And I hope you do the same. Because we're all sinners. God's grace. Thank you, Jesus, right? Please, Lord, let me glorify you with a life worthy of this call. Help your people, Lord. They need you. That's the prayer. All right. In verse 18, from the record of this event in Exodus 32, it seems as though Moses acted immediately, grinding the gold calf into powder and forcing the people to drink the water mixed with it. That's what he did. Okay, but evidently Moses had a first had first spent 40 days and nights interceding for the people before he did that. Okay, in 923, Moses was reminding the people of the nation's unbelief 40 years earlier. Okay, when they had been afraid to enter Canaan, the Israelites had not believed God would be able to help them in spite of all they had already uh, in spite of what he already done. Okay, they refused to follow because they looked only to their own limited resources instead of to God, which is unlimited. Unbelief is the root of many sins, okay, and problems. When you feel lost, it may be because you're looking everywhere but to God for your help and guidance. Okay, when you feel lost, it may be because you're looking everywhere but to God for your help and in guidance. That's Psalms 81, 6, 12, 95, 8, 106, um, 13 to 20 in Hebrews. You getting the point here? The Old Testament is a reminder for us not to fall into the same traps that they fell into. Okay? And to heed the warning before judgment comes. And let me tell you something. It's very simple. All we have to do is say no. That's it. No. You know when you want to do something, just say no. He who is in me is greater than me. How hard is that to say no? You don't know how powerful your sin nature is till you try to deny it. It's very powerful. When you want to do something and God says no, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world, but we have the power. Okay? This resurrection power that Jesus died to give us to actually get the victory. We already have the victory. Why do Christians live defeated lives? What is it? It's unbelief. Because I don't feel it. I don't feel God. Do you believe that Jesus is stronger than the devil? Answer the question. Do you? Then why does he always win? Why does he always win? Why is he always controlling your mouth when you get angry? If you believe that. If you believe it, then it wouldn't happen. You have to say it's unbelief. That's exactly what it is. We deceive ourselves saying we believe it when we really don't believe it. And that's what they did. They said they believe it. They were going to temple and worshiping, offering sacrifices, and going back and do their dirty deeds. And God says, I don't want sacrifices. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show justice and love, not offer sacrifices. Let your body be a living sacrifice, one that God will call holy and pleasing, Romans 12, amen? All right, we're out of time. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Listen, God loves us unconditionally. Listen, I can't stand my sin nature. It irritates me, but it's always, you know, you know what? The devil knows it does, so he sends irritating people for me to bring it out. <laughs> My sin nature irritates me, and he sends irritants to get me to do it. It's not God. God doesn't want me to do it. God doesn't tempt us to do anything wrong. <laughs> and I can't go Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. Remember Flip? The devil made me do it. No, no, the devil didn't make us do anything. He tempted us, and we carried it out. Amen? 
All right, thank you for letting me share that. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close. We'll pick up with chapter 10 when we get back together again, Lord willing. Thank you. You want to close us tonight? Paul has a prayer. Thank you for the message tonight, God. It's always a gift from God. We're blessed to have you and Lori in our lives. We all should be grateful about living life. God gave us the trees, the stars, the moon, all the beauty that, that we can enjoy here in life so our journey can be wonderful until we get the home to be with Him. But the one thing that gets in the way is our evil flesh and the devil he tries to infiltrate us. We have to stay rooted in the Word and trust in the Word and become a family that we truly are. One body, many parts, as Pastor John always says. Right. It's a God's and we have to live by that. And then we have safe travel and mercy tonight. May God bless us all. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, brother. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Stay safe. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace.